Hello, uh, welcome to Kings. We're so glad uh, that you're joining us today. And uh, this is the part of the meeting where we look at God's word. And uh, today I particularly want to look at a passage in Romans, in Romans 6, that I think gives us hope to follow Jesus in our everyday. And the, the reason I want to do that is because, you know, if we look at Easter Sunday, like last week, uh, many of us encountered God powerfully. And uh, during that moment, you know, we felt ready to go for the week, ready to follow Jesus in our week. But then we were met with challenges because I, I know that following Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis, there are so many things that are pulling our hearts and our attention to want to make them the God in our lives. And sometimes we can feel like that mountaintop experience of a Sunday isn't the same during the week. And this passage that I'm looking at today, I feel like Paul understands that. He understands that our Christian faith is not always mountaintop experiences, but instead they are often lived in the valleys of life. And because Paul understands that, he looks at giving us a sure hope in following Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, the way that he does that in the passage that we're going to look at today is that he does so at three levels. The first one is at a head level where he wants us to understand theologically and intellectually what it means to be joined to Christ, to be united with him. He then goes on to uh, our heart level where he wants us to understand that not only uh, theologically what this means, but deep down at an, uh, on an emotional level at loving God that we have new life and that affects who we are. And then lastly, he wants to talk about, well, if those two things are true, what does it mean for our hands? So for example, what does it mean to be uh, living out our faith on a daily basis through action? And that's what he wants to do. So at three levels, head, heart, and hands. But before we get into the passage, I just want to talk about the word sin because we're going to see it repeated a few times in the passage. And I've used the New City Catechism, which is a brilliant tool of question and answers of foundational things within the Christian faith, and it helps answer them. And this is what it says about sin. It says, what is sin? Sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world that he created. It is rebelling against him by living without reference to him, not being able to do or be what he requires in his law, resulting in our death, both physically and spiritually, and the disintegration of all creation. So what we see sin is really is living a life that is living without regard for God. And sometimes we see that on a kind of a whole larger level, so the, um, how we might have an outlook on life. But I think particularly for us as Christians is that we see it on a day-to-day -day basis, that there are moments where we, we might have to choose, am I going to live for God or am I going to have to live for myself? So uh, that's what sin is. And uh, what I want us to be able to leave this morning with is just a real sense of having confidence in God. As we read this passage, I would love for you to leave here knowing that you are able to face temptation and face sin on a day-to-day -day basis, but be able to flee from it because of the work of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that you have a sure hope in the God that you follow. So I'm gonna read the Bible and then we'll get into those three points that I mentioned earlier. So Romans 6 verse three to 14, it says, do you not know 
that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but, pre but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members as God's instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are under grace, not law. That is the word of God. So uh, what I want to do is the first point, like I said, is that I want to look at Paul engaging us and the Romans on a theological level, so at our head level. And what we see in the church in Rome is that they had their teaching skewed, that they felt like if they were to sin more, that they would get more grace. But what Paul does is he wants to say, no, 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 no. I think you've got this wrong. And how I want to correct your teaching or to help you see the truth of what you live in is that firstly, you are united with Christ. And how he does that, he uses the imagery of baptism. And uh, why he does this is because he, he wants the people who have put their trust in Jesus to immediately think of their baptism. He wants them to remember the moment that they put their faith in Jesus, then maybe went down to a river that was near them and were submerged in the water and came up. And the reason Paul uses the image of baptism is because it is a perfect reminder and picture of what Christ has gone through. So like we celebrated on Good Friday and Easter Sunday, he wants us to know that that is the same thing that you and I go through as we follow Jesus and as we've put our trust in him, that we are united with Christ in his death and his resurrection. And that's what we see him do here. And uh, I think he uses, a, a, for another reason, the image of baptism, because if you've been baptized, there is no doubt that you have been baptized, is there? You know, you, uh, for me particularly, I remember being baptized in South Africa on New Year's Day in 2008, and it was a sunny day in my uncle's pool. Um, so here is a picture uh, of that pool. Um, that is not the day I got baptized, but that is the same pool that I got baptized in. But what I remember is that, or at least baptism has helped me remember over the last 15 years of following Jesus, is that my baptism was something that reminds me, Tex, you made a decision to follow Jesus. 
that God revealed himself to you and he engaged me on a theological level, intellectual level, but he also did something in my heart. And then I made a decision to follow him. And baptism was one way of saying, Jesus, I'm in for you. And what we see in this passage, particularly in these early verses that we're focusing on now, is that Paul emphasizes the transformation that we are going through, but he he focuses in on us being buried with Christ, that we have died to ourselves. And I I really think it's so important for you and I to, to remember that, that we have died to our old way of living, that we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for God. And I know that the image of baptism has helped me in moments where uh, I feel like I've been pulled, uh, I want to be pulled away from God and to have other things be the God in my own life. And particularly for me, uh, that's been outworked through career choice. And so what's happened is that I turned 30 this year, which means I've had time to reflect on, uh, is this where I'm hoping my life was going? And I'll be honest with you, I've had a few moments where I found it really challenging because I have a few peers who I played sport with and played on the same teams that they did and the same levels that they did. And they're now playing professionally. And I've had moments where I've thought, oh, is this uh, this where I'm supposed to be? Have I done enough by the world standards? Because I've thought, could I have been playing in front of thousands of people um, you know, get you know, being famous, all of that. That's what I've felt that pull. But what my baptism and the reminder of me being united with Christ has reminded me is that text, you said that your life is no longer your own, that you are living for God. And in my context, what that meant was that I needed to pursue God, and that meant my career was to be a pastor. And uh, it was a calling that I had to step into from the time when you was 15. I had to die to my own way of living. And that's what my baptism, so being no, so knowing I was united to Christ helped to remind me, text, you were united with Christ. So you've died to your old way of living, but you have a new life to live. You've been transformed. And that's what Paul starts to do now, is that he says, he, and he focuses on, you were dead to your old self. And he doesn't leave us there in a sense of hopelessness. You know, we're not left in the tomb just like Jesus wasn't because we're united to him, but we've been raised to new life. And that's what he goes on to talk about in the next section of where he touches people's hearts, letting them know that they have new life. What we see Paul do throughout this passage, he often uh, says, this has happened and therefore this now happens. And so what we see here is that uh, Paul says, because Christ has been raised from the dead, you too have been raised from the dead, and you have new life. Paul really understands that living our lives for Jesus is not easy, like I said right at the beginning. And what Paul then goes on to do here is that he doesn't focus on our own ability to give us new life because he knows that ultimately we will not be able to give us the life that we need in order to live for God. He knows that we will ultimately always fall short. We will always live our lives uh, wanting to go back to living for ourselves. But what Paul does is, is that he focuses on Jesus. He has Jesus right at the center, right at the forefront. 
And he says is because of Jesus's work, because Jesus has new life, you too have new life. Because you are united to him, you've, been, you've died to yourself, been buried to sin, but you are then resurrected with him. And you know, he says, because sin had no hold on Christ, sin has no hold on you. That is the gospel that you and I get to live in, is that as we make it through every day, that we do not do so from a place of, of fear or wondering, will I, will I be able to make it through following Jesus? No, Paul, he, he gives us a sure hope that because of Jesus' work, we can make it through to follow him. I think it's really important that we, uh, that we live our lives from a sense of victory on the cross. And what I think that means is that we live our lives understanding and celebrating Resurrection Sunday that we don't just focus on the, the element of how sin is in the world, but to realize what Paul is doing. He says, because you have new life, you are able to free from, you are able to flee from sin, that you are able to follow Jesus because he has given you new life. And I feel like this quote from the Asia Bible Commentary series has helped me understand this a bit more in terms of the questions that we ask. It says, instead of submitting to sin slavery, we should remember that we are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So instead of asking, shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? We should ask, now that I'm no longer a slave to sin, why am I submitting to it? Essentially what it's saying is that the question is no longer, oh no, I'm a slave to sin and I will just go wherever it takes me. Like my hands are, are handcuffed and there's a chain pulling me there. Because we have new life in Jesus, it means that we can say to sin, no, sin, I will not, I will not um, come to your temptations. I will not succumb to them. Because of the Holy Spirit at work in me, I can say no to temptation and trust in Jesus. You know, a great tool that um, I have found just as I've uh, been kind of uh, had temptation um, around me or wanting to pull me uh, away from Jesus and to look at and focus on other things and have maybe other idols in my life, is in those moments uh, just saying, Jesus, please come and help me. I've often found that by the power of his Holy Spirit, he comes and he says, Tex, remember I'm with you. I'm able to help you follow Jesus. And I could encourage you, maybe that is something that you could do. But what we see here is that we, we, we should live from a place of victory of Jesus's resurrection because we have new life. But I do also want to be honest and, and also clarify that I'm not saying that this is automatic or easy. And if anything, Paul is implying that you and I have some agency in this, that we have a choice to make. Will we uh, live in this newness of life and um, you know uh, follow God's promptings? I think a silly example, but uh, it, it makes my point is uh, particularly for myself, right? So I really like donuts. Like I like them a lot. And one of my favorite donuts to eat are actually these mini donut bites that Krispy Kreme make. And they're probably about this big and they're, they're around eight in a pack. And so what I normally do is I normally buy eight packs. Oh, I buy two packs um, of eight, so 16 little bites. And uh, I can't have too much sugar because I have uh, diabetes that runs in my family, so I'm at risk of having diabetes. And uh, I can sometimes, because it's in the Sainsbury near me, I can easily access them. 
So I know that text, you should only have two or three and you've got to put them aside. But there are moments of temptation where I walk up to the box and I think, I really want this. Should I have it? Should I go for it? And to my embarrassment, more often than not, I do have them. But the point I'm trying to make is that for us following Jesus and living from a sense of victory and knowing that we have new life, we are able to say no to the donuts. Uh, or or uh, on a serious note, we're, we're able to say no to sin because of the work of Jesus. We're not like me with these donuts, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us to flee from them. And so Paul, uh, he's, he's helped us understand theologically uh, in our heads that we're united to Christ, that we have new life. And now he says that if you understand those two things, your life must look different. And so Paul goes into the next bit of the, uh, the passage where I would say he talks about our hands and essentially saying that we are to be people who live for God. And in this part of the passage, Paul starts to land what he's trying to say by using very physical language. And this is something that Paul does a lot through his epistles, is that he will give us some theological truth, but then he always lands it in practical application because he wants us to know that our faith cannot just be in our heads and our hearts without affecting the way that we live our lives. And in this passage, Paul uses the word members and instruments. And in other parts uh, or other translations, what we see is that Paul uh, uses the word body, which I think is a very helpful translation because it shows us that the way that we use our bodies can be used uh, for the glory of God. And I just want us to think a little bit about that. So, for example, our tongues. How do we use our tongues? Are we using them to gossip about people? Are we using them to say hurtful things? Or are we people who encourage? Or are we people who build up? You know, that there we see that it's not just about fleeing from unrighteousness, but it's also being able to use our bodies for righteousness. What about our eyes? Uh, you know, what, what are we watching? Are we watching things that are building us up or are we watching things that are unhelpful? And uh, I think particularly for our culture, with the way that we use our eyes, um, I don't think it's necessarily what we watch, which I do think is an important part, but I think it's the duration that we watch things. Uh, how many times have we, uh, you know, said, I'm gonna put my alarm on, I'm gonna read the Bible tomorrow morning, and then the alarm goes off and we just go back to sleep because we're too tired. And why are we too tired? Because we may have been scrolling a little bit longer uh, on our social media, or have we been, uh, we said, oh, I'll just watch one more episode of that show that's been left on a cliffhanger. Again, I'm not saying social media or those episodes are bad or the shows we're watching are necessarily bad. But again, it's the duration of how we're using our eyes. Are we using them to think, God, I want to be able to read your word instead of maybe watching an extra episode of something or an extra 20 minutes on social media? Am I reading your word? Because I know that will build me up and be used for building other people up. What about our ears? What are we listening to? You know, are, are we listening to podcasts that build us up and help us love Jesus and help others love Jesus? I think also another one is like literally how do we use our, the whole of our bodies? Do we just want to have leisure for ourselves and, and do what's best for us? Or do we want to live for God and for his glory and see how we could use our gifts and talents to glorify him? 
So Paul wants to help us understand the way we use our bodies comes from understanding that we are united with Christ, we have new life, and as a result, we are people who live for his glory, and we are able to live for his glory. And what I particularly want us to to have hope in today is to know that you aren't, like I said earlier, you are not a slave to sin going where it takes you, but you have a sure hope in Jesus, knowing that he has made a way for you to live for his glory, that you were buried to sin and you've been raised to new life. And in terms of just having a sure hope, um, so many of you will know that I have recently uh, torn my Achilles tendon and I had to have surgery on it. And the thing about the surgery is that I, I'm hoping that it's worked. I am hoping that, that when I come out of the boot that I'm in, that I'm going to be able to walk, I'm going to be able to run, play rugby. But I just don't know. The surgery has been done, but it's a bit 50-50. Our hope in Jesus is not like my surgery. It is not 50-50 as to whether or not we can live a life that is thriving and for the glory of God. And when I say thriving, I don't just mean everything goes well. I mean, it, I mean that thriving in the sense of that we are able to weather storms, that we're able to flee from sin and live our lives for the glory of God. It is a sure hope that you can trust in the work of Jesus. He has given you the power of his Holy Spirit to be at work in you. It is not 50-50 whether or not he's going to help you in your day-to-day uh, in terms of keeping your eyes on him. He will do so because that is the sure hope that we have. So how I want us to respond today is uh, I think just like Paul has done, he's essentially saying we have to come before God on a daily basis. And the first way that I want us to respond is maybe just come before God now. You know, we're going to sing a song in a minute that is going to make much of Jesus. And it's an opportunity to know that if you have put your trust in Jesus, there are no barriers for you to come and worship him. You can come with all your worries, stresses, temptations, and you can lay them at his feet and say, Jesus, would you help me? Would you fill me? And he will meet you. So we can come before God today. But as I said earlier, there are six other days where we follow Jesus and we need help. And here are just two of my reflections off, uh, particularly when I've been injured, because I've had a lot of time to think and sit about really, is we need to come before God on a daily basis and we need to get into his word. And just the first reflection is that I want us to know that lasting rest doesn't come from Netflix or social media or leisure time. Those things are fine, but true rest comes from being God's presence and coming before him daily. And part of that, I think a great element is on our own. Are we getting before God on a daily basis and getting into his word? So lasting rest comes from being in God's presence. My second reflection is, I think a a good way to help encourage us and follow Jesus and get before him is by being with our church community. So I missed around seven or eight Sundays while I was in hospital and recovering uh, with my injury. But I will not not forget my first Sunday back in about, uh, it was about three or four weeks ago. 
And I just remember this moment at Catford where we were singing songs about God and I just felt an overwhelming sense of God being with me and his love and his encouragement to me saying, Tex, this is how you make it through following Jesus. Because I won't lie, I was finding it really difficult to, to just get before God on my own. But God reminded me, that's why we need our church community is because my brothers and sisters helped keep my eyes on Jesus. So we need to get before God in the week, but also today. So can I encourage you as we get ready to respond now, use this opportunity to come before God. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna worship again. Lord God, I thank you so much for the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. God, I thank you because of his death and resurrection that I am united with Christ, that I am given new life and I'm able to live for his glory. God, thank you that is the truth for us. God, I do wanna pray that this week we would know a tangible sense of your presence, that we would have confidence in you to know that you are giving us all that we need to follow you. God, I pray that every single person who is here feeling the weight of temptation or, or being drawn away from you, that God, right now, they would know a sense of your presence with them. They would know that you are drawing them to yourself and that you are uh, have given them power to live and flee from sin for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.